Good morning and welcome to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner with Stephen McIver here on SENZ for July the 29th. And wherever you are around the Canterbury region, I trust that your morning has started well and here's hoping we can make it just that little bit better with a very strong cast of interviews for you between now and 8am. Coming shortly, your Canterbury Rams championship winning head coach, Judd Flavel, talks us through how it all happened. And what was the inspiration? Where did the inspiration come from? Well, speak to Donny Bell. It's a big day in club rugby because it's finals day. And Donny comes from the Integrity Unit podcast. And Alana Gunn, your Canterbury Pride coach, three championships under her belt, and also the Mainland Football Women's Development Officer. We're going to talk the FIFA Women's World Cup. We'll talk about, gee, what happened to Australia the other night, losing to Nigeria, but also about... Where did the football ferns go from here after that loss to the Philippines and how can they get their campaign, uh, not, not even back on track, but how can they make that next round, the, the knockout round, which would be magnificent for the football ferns. So there is a lot to look forward to between now and 8am here on the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner, Enterprise, the recruitment company, improving people's lives for over 50 years. Well, tonight the Bunnings NPC is underway and your Canterbury side are up against Northland tonight at 7.35 and the news this week was they released the wider squad uh, for it and so we'll just run through what the squad looks like. Solomon Alamalo from Sydenham, Torian Barnes also from Sydenham, George Bell out of Lincoln University, Finley Brewers from High School Old Boys, Joe Bryan out of Lincoln University, Fergus Burke from University, Taylor Cahill out of Maris Albion, Seb Calder, Lincoln University, Ryan Crotty, New Brighton, Tom Christie, Christchurch, Samuel Darry, HSOB, Mitchell Drummond, also out of the same club, Mitchell Dunshay out of Springston, Braden Enor in University, Che Fihaki out of Belfast, uh, Ben Funnel out of Hudanui, Zach Gallagher, Burnside, Dominic Gardner, Marist Albion, Cullen Grace, Lincoln University, Alex Harford, HSOB, Billy Harmon, New Brighton, Jamie Hanna, Lincoln, Willie Hines, Linwood, Tom Hayward, University, Oliver Jagan, New Brighton, Corey Kello, Lincoln University, Daniel Leonard Brown, HSOB, Manasa Mataele, Marist Albion, Brody McAllister, Kaipoi, Dallas McLeod, Christchurch, Richie Mwanga, Linwood, Joseph Moody, Lincoln RFC, James Mullins, Sydney Blair Murray University, Fletcher Newell, Lincoln University, Rameka Poihipi out of Lincoln University, Reed Princept out of uh, HSOB, Ngatungane Punivai out of Prebleton, Luke Romano out of Huranui, Jonah Rover out of Lincoln University, Nick Shearer, Marist Albion, Cody Taylor out of Sydney, Samuel Whitelock out of uh, Lincoln University, and Tamaiti Williams out of Burnside. Obviously, a couple of those will be playing for the All Blacks uh, against the Wallabies at the G tonight around 9.45pm live on Sky Sports. So, But that's what your squad looks like uh, for the start of the Bunnings NPC. They face Northland tonight at 7.35. I suppose right now, though, it's a good time to find out actually just what's going on around Canterbury uh, this weekend. So the Waimakariri River Community Planting Day uh, there is one today between 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And if you want to know where it is, it's at the Roxburgh Car Park and Picnic Area on the southern bank of the Waimakariri River. And that is free entry, which is okay by me. 
Also on today is the Christchurch Baby Experts on today and tomorrow from 9 till 4 at Wolfbrook Arena. Now, Wolfbrook Arena, just a reminder, is formerly Christchurch Arena, 55 Jack Hinton Drive in Addington. It is free again. And uh, having been a dad of three and being a dad of three and having gone through this, they're actually a really good idea just to check out all the things you need if you're going to be a, a parent or if you've got young kids and maybe just want some new stuff to buy for them. Also, there's lots of competitions going on. In other words, potential chance to win free stuff and some seminars as well. The Vegan Night Markete uh, showcases the best plant-based foods and goodies. Now, there's 25 stores, all sorts of savouries and sweets and and lots of musical entertainment today. That is on uh, today from 3.30 till 7 p.m. at the Phillipstown Community Hub. That's 39 Nursery Road in Phillipstown. Again, something you don't have to put your hand in your pocket for because it is F-R-E-E. It is free. And speaking of free... It's another free art Saturday, and uh, today it's all about plastilina figures. It runs every Saturday at the Linwood Arts uh, in Worcester Street, 388 Worcester Street in Linwood, from 2.30 to 4.30. Now, the good kicker with this one is that the classes are completely free, and anyone can go along, no experience, but even better is that all the materials are supplied. So that runs from 2.30 to 4.30 this afternoon at the Linwood Arts Place, 388 Worcester Street. Now, if you want to know a little bit more about that or you want to get some information about it, then what you can do is email arts at tefare.org. That's arts at T-E-W-H-A-R-E dot org. That's arts at tefare.org, and you find out a little bit more. And coming up shortly, it's Judd Flavel, your championship-winning Canterbury Rams coach. You are listening to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner, and this is the perfect way to start a Canterbury sports show by talking about the... Sells NBL champions. That's right. Your Canterbury Rams for the first time in 31 years. And their coach joins us right now. And that's Judd Flavel. Morning, Judd. Congratulations. Is the head still sore? Are the celebrations continuing? <laughs> uh, not in that way. Not in that <laughs> way. But, uh, I mean, we, we're still getting, yeah, obviously, recognition and, and people that bump into you or drive past you and give you a toot of a, the horn. And, uh, yeah, so there's still... There's still the buzz going around, that's for sure. Do you think uh, this the recognition factor comes with the, and I'm going to be honest with you, I think there is a huge rise in people's understanding and the popularity of basketball in probably the last three or four years in this country. Is that fair? Oh, I think it's been going that way probably, you know, I, I mean, there have been a few events in this country, uh, yes, from the basketball landscape, um, Steve Adams' profile, you know, the Breakers' mm. profile. Uh, the national teams, and it's all just continuing to to get um, you know bigger and bigger, and, and we're starting to see the the numbers and the juniors and, and school participation. So yeah, it, it's just continuing. It hasn't it, it's been going for a while, but it just hasn't stopped. Yeah, and and I think this is the, the encouraging thing. I suppose on the flip side, Judd, you've got to find find more courts. I know in Auckland they can't they don't have enough courts for the, the amount of people that want to play ball. We're screaming out the courts here in this country. Just not enough, um, you know. So yeah, like, like you said, Auckland has always sort of struggled um, here in Christchurch. It's um, you know still you could put up. Uh, I almost feel like every 
every city needs to have a couple of 10 court facilities, you know. So um, it, it's something that I, I got to spend some time in Melbourne and obviously just the luxury of facilities and resources that they have over there. Very jealous. Uh, but then you see why they're so good at these, uh, mm. these sports. So I, I really feel that if that was the case here, we would go to another level for sure. Well, uh, councils and governments have got to start riding the wave, right? Uh, because we know it's it's such an inclusive sport. Even if you're not six foot ten and you're a little kid, and that's the and that's the most important thing. Oh, I would say basketball. Like, there's more people under six foot ten than you know than you. Um, every team has one or two of those players, but uh, look, it's, a, it's such a great game. It's um, I think uh, that's the reason why it's, it's getting more popular is because I guess mum and dad and um, you know not necessarily like it's a it's a safe sport it's, it's a sport where it's inclusive like you said there's five people on the court they're always one pass away from the action or, or right in the action and and I think that you know, everybody loves it it's a, it's a game you can spend on the driveway just on your own you can be with mum or dad or playing one on one with your friends and uh, or you could play five and five game. Now there's a three on three version as well. You can go to the Olympics. It, it really has so much going for it. I know we're getting off the topic of winning the Suns NBL championship, but while we're on this subject, what got you into basketball? Oh, really, you know, go back. It's going back a while ago now. You know, forty years. <laughs> oh, but, stop uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> but back then, I guess it wasn't necessarily like a as popular as it is now. It was part of your mainstream sports and. Look, I was just too small for rugby. I, I mean, my, my father was a rugby mad man, which I guess all of us had. And um, I just found basketball and actually through my father, who who um, couldn't play rugby anymore to, to, due to an injury. So I played basketball and I just followed as you do. And before you knew it, I, I actually, you know, I've, you know, I, Picked up a few skills here and there and uh, managed to, in a tiny place like Whangarei, we did really well, won some national championships, and um, yeah, just, this was the, my sport. So it, it just, it's taken me into a great ride since then, and um, yeah, never looking back. Now, this as a coach, is this your third national championship, or as a coach and player, your third national championship? Yeah, no, coach and player, so yep, just the uh, first one with Auckland, then with Southland and then yeah this one with Canterbury so yeah three different teams um, along that journey As a coach to win a championship how satisfying is it and what do you learn about yourself being a coach on that journey through the season Oh there's so much to learn there's um, I think uh, it's a a business of uh, communication and relationships with the people that you work with, trying to get the best out of them, trying to put them in places to succeed, and and, and that's going to be very different to, to how it looks for the person standing next to them. Um, being able to manage, I guess, the, the season and the highs and lows, to learn, I, I guess, through experience, you, you get to, um, I guess, be a little bit more level headed with that and. And probably have a few different ways, extra ways to try to navigate your way throughout issues or, or you know, bumps uh, along the path. So, you know, this, this season was no different. We had our challenges. We weren't always, you know, great. We were always fighting for, looking and striving for consistency. Um, 
We knew that we had enough pieces here. We just needed to, you know, iron some things out. We had moving pieces. Um, we had Ty Winyard at the start of the season, who was looking fantastic. We, we'd started off, you know, we were top of the table, um, and then he left, and we had to make some changes and and then sort of figure some things out. Um, and we had just enough time to do that. And I, I guess the um, you know getting to the point of the season where finals week. And we were back peaking. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of what you learn as a coach. It's a bit of a book, really. It doesn't always go to plan, right? You may have a plan in your head, but it doesn't always work like that. Oh, one thing you can for sure be uh, guaranteed is that your plan A is always going to be tested and, and you've got to be ready to, to adjust and evolve and grow. That's, that's what the season's about. For championship teams, Judd, there's always one moment in the season where the coach goes, oh, hang on a minute, we might be on here. You know, this, this could be the season where we've been wanting. Did you have one of those moments? We had a, <clears throat> we had a couple of moments, uh, significant, I guess, pivotal moments in our season, and they were both due to losses that we had. One against Nelson Giants up in Nelson, where we, we really looked at um, you know, we, we um, Nelson outplayed us down the stretch, and but it was a game that we had in our hands, and really made us look at what we're doing defensively. Uh, the other game was with about six or seven games to go in the season, and it was our last game against the Tuatara, who we were right there with. We were actually up at halftime. We um, it was a close ball game. He went to the fourth quarter, and then they just blew us out. And we really peeled back a lot of layers, I guess, and just what happened to our offense. And since that, since that game, we became a much more efficient shooting team. We we shot more free throws. We we shot more open three pointers, which uh, resulted in us shooting you know plus forty five percent from the three point line, which would lead to le- any league just about mm. uh, for those last um, eight games. So, you know, we, we made some great sort of adjustments and, and that was, you know, our coaching staff sort of getting our head together and, and really ironing out, I guess, these uh, these things that we needed to. And I, I think that was the, the real platform that really turned our um, season around and, and, and made us a, a far more efficient and dangerous thing. How satisfying is it from a coach's perspective to throw that responsibility on the players when they have the information and then see them deliver? Oh, it's it's very rewarding and, and satisfying. Absolutely. I mean, we we have a young group, and I guess with that youth, there's a lot of energy and enthusiasm, which is great. But also that they're sort of going through these steps, you know, for a lot of them for the first time. So you're learning constantly, um, learning and communicating and talking, uh, as opposed to a seasoned professional who's been down this road many times. Um. And, and to see them continue to grow and take, for example, like a Walter Brown, who has just really come out of, I guess, uh, nowhere. It wasn't an age group star, but everybody that knew him knew that he was very good. Um, turn into a professional, and not only just a professional, but him into these big games that we played just last week, the big games of the season. And he is not faced. He's just still doing his thing. He's very business-like out there on the court. 
um, you know, the, the, the mental, I guess, uh, the mental toughness that he had. Just amazing to see that, you know, and um, I, I guess seeing players like that um, in those moments really step up is really satisfying. And, um, yeah, it's just one of those things as a coach, you, you just really you share or you're right alongside them and, and you get to share those uh, those moments with them. Did you draw on the team of 1992 as inspiration for the, the grand final? Not well. We we drew upon that at the start of the season, going back to oh. April. Um, we we knew the the history here, and and certainly, I think probably myself more than anybody, uh, because a lot of our team weren't even born there. <laughs> but uh, I, I just one of the messages was, you know, this was just a, such a, a great proud basketball region, and we're crying out for an opportunity, you know, uh, to, to put, place ourselves in that position to, to challenge for that championship. And I guess as a coach, you try to lay down, I guess, um, any of these uh, these aspects or, or opportunities for players to really see that it's a lot bigger than just themselves. Uh, and if you can tap into that, you know, you can really, I guess, um, bring out the, the best in, in people. And um, so we... We talked a lot about that. We had Glenn Denham, who was the captain of that 92 team, come and chat with us about a month to go in the season. Uh, he came and, and visited us before our Auckland game and spoke to us about, you know, what, you know, that 30, that championship 31 years ago and, and spoke to us about, I guess, uh, just some of those, um, you know, key... The, uh, what makes guess, a championship team, right? Yeah, that and, and just what it meant, you know, it was some of those everlasting relationships that, that happened as a result. Um, and that was great. We had, you know, one of the first people to, to congratulate us and, and send a message on the phone was, was Glenn Denham, you know, and he was he was sending messages throughout our playoff uh, victories as we were going. And so you just, yeah, everybody, I, I, and this was going back to kind of like, my, one of my feelings that I had as soon as we won was like it was more about for the other people, uh, for those that have been before us and, and uh, seeing Gilbert Gordon, you know, just a household name back in the 80s and 90s um, there with us at the game and, and Riri Manahi, who was the captain of the Canterbury Rams for so long, be there with us at the game. And, and those two guys were the first two that I went and shook their hands uh, straight after. So, yeah, just a huge, um, you know, I guess, uh, satisfaction and just enjoyment seeing, seeing those guys. Nice work, man. It must be nice to just look in the mirror sometimes when you're brushing your teeth and go, oh, man, guess what? We're Sal's NBL champions. <laughs> <laughs> it does circle back a few times or you see it and, and go, oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> um, that just happened. So, yeah, no, it's, it, it's fantastic. We'll be doing that for hopefully a, a, a little bit longer now. All right, Joe. Well, I'm not going to ask you to, to to think about the off season or anything. Just go enjoy this weekend, man. As long as it continues, and uh, I know when you're ready to go, you'll go again. Thanks for spending some time on the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner, mate. Thank you, Stephen. We'll catch up soon. We will. Thanks, buddy. All right, cheers, mate. It is now the right time to talk football in the FIFA Women's World Cup here on the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. So why not talk to one of the great minds of women's football, and that's the Alana Gunn, the Mainland Football Women Development Officer and Pride Coach. Morning, Alana. How are you? Good morning. I'm good, thank you. So let's let's talk about 
upsets. Uh, and the, the, I suppose the major upset in the last 48 hours is Nigeria upsetting the Matildas. Were you surprised and were the Matildas that bad? I know, 3-2, but... I wasn't surprised, but it definitely makes that, that group interesting. You know, Nigeria have some amazing athletes within that side and, and that pool was always kind of deemed the pool of death. So not surprised, but it makes it tough for the Matildas now. They've, they've, you know, they've got to crack on now and beat Canada to to get into that pool uh, round of 16. Yeah, but the Canada are the Olympic champions, so that's, that, that's an even a taller hill to climb, isn't it? Or do you, do you see the Matildas bouncing back? I think the Matildas can bounce back. I think hopefully, you know, Sam Kerr's back in their lineup. Um, not sure if she will be, but but if she is, you know, I think they've got all all the ability to to turn over Canada. Yeah. Do you honestly believe, Alana, that Sam Kerr is their talisman that they they need her? I think they do. I think what she can offer, their style of play is so transitional, and you know their counter-attacking ability is is the best, one of the best teams in the world at it. And and that only happens when Sam Kerr's on the pitch. She kind of has that ability to get in behind defences early and and score goals. So while they do have good strikers around her, I, I think they do need her on the pitch, and I think that was telling um, against the game Nigeria. Yeah. A couple of games being played this evening, Group G and Group F. And Group G, it's Sweden against Italy. Sweden's last match was 2-1 against South Africa and Italy 1-0 against Argentina. Who do you favour and why? Yeah, it's interesting. If you look at the rankings, you kind of want to favour Sweden, but uh, Italy are good. Italy Italy are a good team, and um, that's another tight pull. I think the match against Argentina was a real battle, and Argentina held their own. Um, so may, maybe, maybe a draw. I'll, I'll, I'll put money on a draw for that one, <laughs> what, um, what, sitting on the fence. What do you like about the Italians? Uh, I think they're a nation in the women's game that's that's rapidly growing, and you know they play really nice football in terms of short passing game. Mm. But they've they've got flair, they've got creativity. You know they've got um, some players that I think will in the next couple of years will really crack onto the to the world stage. Um, yeah, and then you just see their passion. I think that game, um, their last game, you def- definitely just see it. They're, they're a passionate nation when it comes to football. Group F uh, tonight at 10pm, France versus Brazil. French, uh, a nil or draw against Jamaican. Well, is it no surprise, 4-0 against Panama, the Brazilians, last time out. And and do they go in as favourites for you or not? Yeah, France haven't been performing. Um, even if you look at the game prior to the World Cup against um, the Matildas. Mm. Uh, yeah, they look okay, but they don't look like to be firing. Um yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And then um, Brazil, you know, I think they they band together and they play for their players. And uh, with Marta, you know, probably retiring after this, you know, what an amazing kind of career she's had. And and I think, yeah, I, I might put, I, I would back Brazil on this one. I think, I think they might. Um, Cause it, it, might, it will be a bit of an upset, yeah. I mean, for some groups, we're here, they're sort of now starting to think about the group stage. I mean, these groups, G and F, they're only playing their their second match. Have you had a look across the whole of the tournament? Gone, okay, now I now I can see things unfolding. We'll talk about the ferns in just a moment, but have you started to pick your, your teams to go through now? And and more importantly, who is your favourite to win the whole shebang? Yeah, when I've kind of patched it together a couple of times, I've gone through, and I think. Um, Every time I've landed on a Spain Germany final, um, wow. and and both of those teams kind of look good so far, so I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> um, 
But you look at, uh, I think you look at Japan's group with Japan, Spain, you know, I think those two will go through, they'll cross over with, that, with you know, Paul A. Um, and I think just with the performances of Paul A, then you, what you, I think you back both of those teams to go through, um, dare I say it. Um, and then, you know, I don't think some teams have started firing yet. I don't think England's fired yet. I don't think they've put out a performance. You know, Matilda's group, Canada, they, they haven't put out performances yet. I think USA have started to um, put put pieces together in that game against the Netherlands a couple of days ago. You know, that was a stalemate. So, so yeah, the, the, the round of 16 will knock out some big teams and then, and then, the, yeah, then the football gets really exciting, doesn't it? Do you see the Americans going through? Uh, I think... Oh, not convinced, uh, oh. not convinced. <laughs> I'm not convinced. Uh, I don't think they've quite got it right. I don't think their, their formation, uh, their lineup is, is right. I think Rose Lavelle, when she comes on, she makes all the difference. So I think her fitness is, is massive. If, I think if she can start and play 90 minutes, then, yeah, I think they, they have a shot. Um, but they've got such depth that you kind of can never rule them out. But they're definitely not the USA team coming into a World Cup that you kind of yeah, that you're kind of 100% say you're going to crack into the final. I think there's too many other good teams now. I keep teasing we're going to talk about the Ferns, but I want to get your understanding. You're, you're cruising around the country looking at all, all the football. Uh, how how good does it make you feel to see so many people in the country walking the streets talking football and, and New Zealanders talking about women's football? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I've had some time in Auckland, Hamilton and, and Wellington and heading down to Dunedin tomorrow. So... Um, the Netherlands USA game was probably the pinnacle event for me. Um, outside the Ferns games, um, Wellington was a vibe, but you know the the orange and the red, white, and blue. It was pretty awesome. There was a lot of noise in the stadium, and and you know I'm travelling. I'm taking my daughter around this week, so she's getting to see kind of what football is in the other side, other parts of the world. And it's been yeah, it's been amazing, and it's um, a pretty special time for for Kiwis, that's for sure. So, is is your daughter a football ferns fan, or does she have stars on other countries that she's she's excited to see? <laughs> she loves the football ferns, but she. Uh, I managed to purchase her the Lego, so she's a Sam fan. Um, she, she's worked out she's got a little bit of Australian blood in her, so she definitely doesn't mind jumping the fence uh, when, when the Aussies are winning, that's for sure. Oh, all right, well, we'll hold that one. Let's talk about the football ferns. Uh, going down to the Philippines, and look, I looked at the numbers, just the simple stats uh, after full time. It sort of makes ugly reading about execution. 16 shots on goal against four, 10 inside the penalty area, and you've got 59% of the ball for the majority of the match against 24%. Uh, how can you not win a game with that sort of numbers against you? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's just heartbreaking, really, isn't it? I think you've got to be winning those games if you really do want to compete. Um, but the stats don't, you know, the only stat that's the important one is the one that um, yeah. a goal. Is, is the goals for. <laughs> yeah, so um, you can have all the position in the world, but that doesn't sometimes translate to to, to winning the match. Mm. And I think the reality was that you no, know, we put put three uh, put a goal or two goals past the Philippines, and and we've confer- confirmed a Scott in the spot in the top 16 which just would have been absolutely amazing but I think looking at the start of the World Cup you know their goal was to win a game and their goal was to get out of the group and that's still live and that's still happening and you know they, they beat Norway which probably wasn't on the cards but I think we're still in the same spot we would have been because um, I think if we don't beat Norway we beat Philippines we're still where we are so yeah, um, yeah I don't know I think 
country still got to believe in them and, and back them, and and Sunday, uh, tomorrow's going to be a pretty amazing, amazing day. Yeah, what what do you make of the way they are playing at the moment? I, I got the impression against the Philippines that they started to feel the weight of expectation and 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 fell away from what we saw in that opening match because everything was was new and fresh, you know, like a, like a bright shiny new toy. What do they now need to reset? Yeah, they do. I think they potentially need to reflect on both games and looking at that mentality going into the Norway game. And I think they genuinely played well. The eleven players on the pitch at any given time were good. They were they were they competed well. They were quick. They were first to a lot of the ball, and, and they kept the ball well. And they didn't panic in that last ten minutes. Um, where you know they had to hold the game out. Where in the Philippines, I think you can look at some individuals that potentially. Um, didn't get the tempo right or was second to the ball a few times or didn't get on the ball enough and didn't dictate enough. So I guess being able to reflect back and, and what did they do for the first game differently for the second game and perhaps get into that mindset where there's do or die now. We love being an underdog, us Kiwis. So maybe maybe jumping on that. And, and yeah, we, we need a performance where the 11 players on the pitch are, uh, are you know, playing their best football in order to to beat the Swiss, um, that's for sure. Yeah, Alana, I'm I'm like many uh, fresh to watching a lot of women's football, right? And the one thing that that struck me about the football ferns coming into this tournament with with a horrible record was was how clinical they looked in that opening match and and how their their passing game is is actually quite astute. Now, am I misreading this? No, I don't think you are. The record was was horrible, and and but I think if you look at the I guess um, the amount of players that were used leading into the World Cup and, and the teams they played. You know, when USA come here in January, you know, that, they're the <laughs> ranked number one team in the world. And then if you look at the lineup we were putting out, there wasn't there wasn't seven of those yeah. players that started the game against Norway. So um, getting those players back, and I think Kirkland yeah, Clover has been talking about it for a long time when the players are back, when the players are back, if we get them back, because there was a lot of injury concerns and things like that. It will change things because they are the better players, um, and I think they proved that against Norway. Um, you know, having Rhea Percival back in there, I think Malia Stomes is playing football of her life. Um, Rebecca Stott, um, those types of players, they just do add uh, an incredible amount of value um, to the playing style. And yeah, I think they proved that against Norway. Not too much pressure on Hannah. She knows the role. She knows the job. I think there's a little bit of pressure on her. I think for her, you know, she's gone from being the hero to potentially someone that underperformed that second game. Um, so, yeah, there is a bit of pressure. If she gets the opportunity to start again tomorrow, you know, she, she needs to be clinical. Um, at, at, at the end of the day, scoring goals is the difference between teams that make the top 16 and not. So, yeah, I imagine she's feeling a little bit of the pressure. But, um, it, it, yeah, you can kind of have expectation on anyone in that starting 11 in the squad, yeah. Okay, cliched question. Who wins? What's the score and why? I think the, I think with the Ferns kind of drive to inspire this nation and, and I guess the next generation, I think, they're, I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to pit them 2-1. I think the goal scorers are going to be unlikely goal scorers, so maybe, <laughs> maybe a set piece. And then, mate, oh, do you know what? I'd love Jackie Hand to get on the score sheet. I think she's been our star player, um, outstanding two games from her. So I'd love to see her get on the score sheet um, to maybe score the winner. Love, the, lo- love, the, <laughs> love the call, Alana. Have a cracking Saturday. Thanks. 
Saturday morning, July 29, and you're listening to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner here on SENZ around the country. And it's time to talk club rugby in Christchurch. Oh, it's a big day. This uh, segment brought to you by the Trident Homes, designed for living, built for life. And there's a big old game tomorrow, Marist Albion, high school old boys at Rugby Park. Big crowd expected. Now, if you want to talk about club rugby in Christchurch in the Canterbury region, the only place to go is to the Integrity Unit podcast. Man behind that's Donnie Bell, and he joins me right now. Morning, Donnie. Very good morning, Stephen. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. So, how is life in the uh, in the biggest rugby city in the country, according to you? Yes, according to me, and I'll be telling you that all day. They just arrive <laughs> for it. They live for it down here in the Garden City, and I'll tell you what, it'll be going off like a fish milkshake guard tomorrow. It'll be a very special occasion, and so many friends and family caught up. There's a lot of hype. We've got some games on today, and then, of course, the big Christchurch Metro final on Sunday. So plenty of excitement, plenty of fizz in the air. Uh, Okay, so what jersey are you wearing right now? Yeah, so I'll be very honest with you. At the moment, I am about to put on my Marist Albion Blinders kit, the Mighty Blinders, one of the teams I manage in Division 2. We have a semi-final coming up this afternoon against the Christchurch Nomads in Division 2. Two very classy rugby sides and will be a fantastic occasion. Okay, Cannot so, wait. Okay, so, so take let's, let's try and play the even ground here. Uh, what do you expect out of this match? I know you're going to back Marist Albion, but what sort of game can we look forward to of this one? And this is a semi-final, right? This is the semi-final. Of course, I have to back the Marist Albion Blinders and always would because I manage the team. I'm expecting a real battle between the two sides. It's young against old, the old experienced kids of Christchurch Nomads taking on a very young Marist Albion Blinders side that we have. A lot of youthful exuberance that has come out, guys. Uh, well, I should call them youthful in their 20s who have got absolutely nothing to lose on Saturday as well. So predicting a fantastic occasion and should be a really good game. If we're talking about individuals, who should folks be keeping an eye on in the semi-final? Uh, yeah, there's probably a few guys to look out for from the Marist Albion Blinders. Uh, we've got some great players like Gus Locke, uh, Fife, a fantastic player who uh, always sits plenty. Uh, Neto Missy, the way it's second five. In the forwards, we've got some terrific competitors, an older head, Rowan O'Gorman at Hooker, who's a fantastic player, Mark Taylor in the loose forwards, just to name a few. For the Christchurch Nomads, I've got a Hamish Kilpatrick, who is a very good front row forward. Another guy, Keith Kite, a real battler, who brings plenty of mana. And they've got uh, dangerous players all over the park as well. So plenty of players to watch out for for this Division 2 semi-final come <laughs> Saturday. Hey mate, <laughs> hey, hey, mate, you said dangerous. That means you're just slightly nervous. But we, we, won't, we won't dwell on that. Let's look at the Metro final. Uh, but before that, we'll talk about the semi-finals that Marist Albion and High School Old Boys had to play out. Uh, what were those semi-finals like? Nervous is always a good thing, as they say, before I play game, Stephen. And, yeah, they were some terrific semi-finals talking about the Metro Premier competition. High school old boys pipping New Brighton. It was wetter than an otter's pocket. It was absolutely belting down with rain. They've won that tightly caught battle 13-10 over a very good New Brighton side who, in fact, had Ryan Crotty, the former All Black, who has been back playing for them, and he was a star. But high school old boys defended extremely well and played some smart, sensible rugby to take out that semi-final. 
In the other semi-final, Marisalvian have won with a winning penalty kick on the hooper. Shouldn't the Aki be star first five? Putting it over the post to break Linwood's heart. Linwood was so hearty in that game and deserved it. But just because you deserve it does not always mean you win it. And uh, the experience of Marisalvian showed winning that one 11-10. So... Both games going within five points, and Hyde Rob was Marisalvian certainly deserved to be there in that Metro final come Sunday. What, what sort of crowds are you getting for these 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 club games in Christchurch <laughs> at the moment? Well, I'd say we'll get a fair decent crowd for these two Division Two semi-finals: Linton University, Littleton. Littleton always brings plenty of spectators, and I'm sure the students will be there for that other semi-final in Division Two. I'd say we'd get several hundred down at our games for the Nomad Blinders. But for the Metro final come Sunday, I'm expecting a massive crowd. I think there'll be three or four thousand people there. Yes, yeah, it's a really interesting thing for me because in a lot of centres around New Zealand, club rugby's struggling. You know, they, they, some some places are struggling to even field teams. Yet it would appear in in, in, in the Canterbury area that uh, everything's fine and dandy. There's certainly uh, a few less players coming through, but when it comes to a final like this one at Rugby Park on Sunday, because they're playing it on a Sunday, it really allows um, former players, family members, friends of friends, players from the other divisions throughout these two very proud clubs to actually come along and enjoy the show peaks because they've got a huge embankment on one side of Rugby Park. So they'll pile up the embankment with jerseys, face painting and all these club supporters. And then on the other side, you've got the grandstand. So it does account for that. But rugby well and truly still alive, especially in this community game down here. Is it free to get in or you got to put some gold coins in, in a bucket? From what I gather, it's free entry. I'll be up in the bird box commentating the game myself, Steve. So... Hopefully they're not charging me to come down and commentate the thing. <laughs> but uh, looking forward to it. I'll have my number ones on ready to wow. go. I'll be, I'll be the neutral card, uh, the commentator there, come Sunday. But I believe it's free entry for all. And definitely make sure you get down to Rugby Park on Sunday at 2.45 for what should be a fantastic game of rugby. Okay, we haven't asked you for your insight into the final between Marist Albion and High School Old Boys. Uh, which way and why, and, and and who are the key the key individuals that will make a difference? This one, uh, this final coming up, comes Sunday. Before these two teams, it is a replay of the final. These sides played twenty years ago, and in that game was the Marist Albion coach. In Blair, former Albert and Crusader, Highlander, of course. He is coaching and he was playing in that game 20 years ago. He had great players like Dennis Blair, Andrew Mertens, uh, the Majors playing uh, in that game, just to name a few. Um, the Matt Francis of this world, some very good players. So it is a replay of 20 years ago. Merrick Albion are going into this game favourite. They have to. This is the fourth straight Premier Club rugby final in a row. Four years in a row. They come into this as favourites purely on finals experience and the fact that coaching staff and players have got them there. Mm. So this will be a hell of a game. And, yeah, simply cannot wait for this one. But Maristel has been certainly going in as favourites. High school Oldboys have got every chance. They have been the full team winning week in and week out over the last few weeks. 
and just building fantastic momentum coming into this final. My prediction is Maris Albion will take this one, like many, but Highfall Old Boys will be loving that underdog card and using every minute of it. They're a very well-coached side, and, yeah, they'll come and believe in some of the key players, Shun Miyake for Maris Albion, the 10, I think we'll expect great things from him in future. Elliot Smith, the captain in second five. Uh, Moy Toma, the number eight of Maris Albion, just to name a few from their side. For high school old boys, Tom Stanley, their number eight. Former Hawks Bay uh, player, played in the NPC. He's a very good player. Uh, Alex Brogan, their lock and captain. Jared Percival at the back. Harrison Kirk, the midfielder. So plenty of star players on both sides for this one. All righty, so we're obviously picking Maris Darwin without that eye patch on, and that's fine, but you, it's an interesting thing uh, about the coaching staff. And we talked to Judd Flavel uh, just before you this morning about coaching and, and what it takes to make a championship team. So one gets the impression that there is a similar feeling for you about Maris Darwin. It is all about the who's driving that team forward off the park. Yes, I believe between Ian Robertson... Ben Blair and Ross Kennedy, 13 finals that they've been in, where they've been involved as coaches, not just directly through Maris Albion, but a lot of experience, and these guys have been to many finals, but certainly not taking anything away from high school old boys. Uh, Like I mentioned before, they have a great coaching staff and some very talented players across the park and know how to win Okay, so it's, it's good to be a Cantabrian right now. You've got the Sellers NBL Championship. You have your NPC team playing in Northland tonight at, what, uh, 7.35. Uh, did they get the win? Yes, well, um, look, the, the basketball's been fantastic and uh, great for the region, and you'd hope they get the win tonight. All right, uh, ABs or the Wallabies tonight at the G? And, and by how many? Oh, how could they going to be in front of 85,000? <laughs> I'm going that the Wallabies are going to compete. I'm going the ABs by 10 in this one. Oh, I like it. All right, my good mate, Donnie Bell from the Integrity Unit Podcast. Thanks for sparing, sparing some time for us this morning. You go and uh, warm yourself up for that uh, that second division semi-final. All right? Well done, Stephen. Pleasure's all mine. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks, buddy. And that's uh, Donnie Bell. Uh, brought to you by Trident Homes, proud supporters of community sport across Christchurch. Check out our modern home plans and show home locations at tridenthomes.nz. And this is the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Coming next, the FIFA Women's World Cup chat with Alana Gunn. And that's where we finish another Enterprise Canterbury sports show here on SENZ. I trust your weekend is going to be an absolutely cracking one wherever you are in the Canterbury region. Our thanks to Judd Flavel, Donnie Bell and also Alana Garn. And if you're playing or you're sporting any one of those teams in the local Canterbury uh, rugby finals, uh, have some fun but be right and proper on the sideline. On behalf of all the team here at SNZ, have a cracking weekend.